0: welcome to episode five of i quit blank and started running i'm your host antonia de heinrich and i am excited to announce that this podcast is now available on all major podcast platforms including new this week iHeartRadio, and apple podcasts which is probably where you're listening today i would love if you took a minute to subscribe and if you're so inclined leave me a rating and review it would mean the world to me and my amazing guests who are all willing to share their stories with you. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the trailer, I quit blank and started running is a podcast featuring people who turn to running as a way to overcome a particular challenge in their lives. Join me each week as I share inspiring stories of where they started, what it was that made them want to change, how running factored in and where they are today. I would like to apologize in advance for the audio quality of this episode I had to leave my usual recording environment to escape the noise of my neighbors taking down 80 foot pine trees. Anyway, my guest today is Miguel who at his young age of 32 has quite a bit of life experience under his belt. He started working at 14 has experienced alcoholism and drug abuse in his family, had twins at the age of 18, followed by legal trouble that put him on a road he swore he would never take. Here's Miguel's story.
1: I'm still working, I'm still working. Meanwhile, I'd be down the street at the local bar just getting drunk, come home, and she wouldn't know the difference. Um, At least I thought she wouldn't. It wasn't until our youngest was two weeks old, um, which is actually her first child, and I came home, pretended I just got home from work. Uh, She knew I was lying, and she told me to feed the baby. I told her I wanted to go lay down. She pretty much told me she wasn't hearing it. Um, and she got upset. She didn't really say anything about the drinking, but she just kind of like put it on me. And I was uh, I was looking at him while I was feeding them, and I just kind of like broke down crying. And I was like, they just deserve so much better. Um, I just kind of like told myself, I was like, I need to do something.
0: Good morning, Miguel. Happy Global Running Day. I hope you're doing well. I'm glad that you could take the time to chat with me today. I would like to jump in with a quick introduction. What is your name? Where are you from? And what do you do?
1: Uh, My name is Miguel. I'm from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, Lehigh Valley, right outside of Philly, if anyone knows that area. Um, I work in the restaurant industry and slowly transitioning into a career in fitness, which we'll talk more about later. And Happy Global Running Day to everybody out there as well.
0: Are you working right now or are you still on hold because of COVID-19?
1: I got put on hold uh, March 14th was the last day I worked. Uh, We just had a meeting at work yesterday and uh, just kind of talking about how things are going to be going forward because I work in the restaurant business. So obviously masks are not an option for our guests. So, you know, it's it's a tricky situation. So we just had a meeting yesterday about what to expect for this weekend coming up is our first weekend in which we're allowed to have guests actually dining with the restaurant and not takeout. So I'm officially being called back to work. So it's exciting because I've been working so long. I've don't, I can't remember the last time I've been out of work this long. It's, it's yeah. been a long time.
0: Well, good for you. I'm glad, I'm glad there's a light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. So uh, quick, real quick before we start, when was your most recent run and how did it go?
1: All right, so I've I've heard a few of uh, the the first few podcasts, so I knew that question was coming. So I wanted to make sure I had a fun run for today. So uh, I made sure that I had my interval training run. It was a um, uh, pretty pretty fun. It was a recovery run from something I had going on this weekend. So it was a two to one ratio on rest and recovery. Uh, so it was fun relaxing, and I also got to run on behalf of a quit smoking, start running. Uh, Your team actually uh, recruited me in late last night. So I did my pledge, got
0: my two and a half miles in for the team today. Thank you, Miguel.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: All right. Well, let's jump in then. So let me start with something that I normally don't ask my guests, but I'm going to do it anyway. How old are you?
1: Um, I'm 32. I'll be 33 this summer in August.
0: Okay. So for your relatively young age, you have quite a bit of life experience under your belt, I'd say. So yeah, I working at 14, alcoholism and drug abuse on your father's side of the family, twins at the age of 18, legal trouble, trouble that kicked off something that you'd never intended to get involved in yourself. Tell us what went down and up until that fateful day in May of 2018.
1: All right. So, uh, yeah, growing up as a kid, um, I was around a lot of alcoholism as a child. Um, I was told my grandmother was a weekend warrior in my younger days, um, term a lot of people use. You know, She just went hard on her weekends and stayed normal Monday through Friday. So her, like myself, didn't realize she was an alcoholic back then. Um, I grew up around my dad being a drug addict and an alcoholic, um, just seeing a lot of stuff that a kid shouldn't see um, endured a lot of stuff, you know, uh, pretty much almost everything except me being physically abused myself. I can say I never endured it, but I had to see a lot of abuse on other ends. Um, you know, it was tough for a child and I, uh, I, I I dealt with a a lot of pretty rough stuff. I I remember, um, one specific day when I was younger, and this is the day I told myself that I would personally never drink. Um, we were leaving bowling, which was kind of me and my dad's thing. And, uh, I was in the backseat of the car sitting on a case of beer, was kind of my seat, so to speak. And there was a bunch of adults in the car and they were driving and hit another car, kind of like headlight to headlight, not too crazy. Like I don't want to make the car accident sound like my life was in danger at that point and I was fighting for life or anything, but it was still scary for a child my age. I don't even think I was 10 years old yet. just being, that was like my first car accident. It was just kind of scary. And one thing I really remember is my dad getting out of the car and originally arguing with the other gentleman, And then eventually them laughing, shaking hands and my dad trying to drive off, which I can only come to imagine that they realized the other driver was probably also intoxicated because why else would you both want to leave a car accident scene? So um, it it just kind of like woke me up and I was like, man, I don't want to be like this. I don't want to drink. And um, unfortunately that wasn't enough for me um i kind of stayed away from drinking my entire life or uh, my entire you know high school years when kids start dabbling and experimenting with partying and drugs i never really got into that i mean i can count on one hand how many times i drank before i was actually 21 uh, when i turned 18 weed kind of became my thing because when i was 17 um my high school girlfriend got pregnant and then we found out it was twins so i had Twins on the way. Uh, They were born in October of 2005. I was only 18 years old, just turned 18 that August. Um, A lot of stress started piling up. I just started making bad decisions, you know, and just started getting into a life of a little bit of illegal activity, thinking I was doing the right thing, you know. Um, And uh, got myself in some legal trouble, ended up getting arrested, charged with a felony. And while I was out on bail, uh, I happened to turn 21. I remember going to Atlantic City for my 21st birthday and drank for about 12 hours straight, probably. And that was the first time I ever got drunk drunk. Like, I was completely drunk. A um, couple of days later was my mom's birthday, so it kind of turned into a celebration weekend. You know, everything felt like it was harmless. And that was the beginning of 10 straight years of alcohol abuse, which eventually turned into... Every day, all day, the uh, legal trouble I got myself in ended up um, turning me into getting terminated from my job at the time, which I had a really, really good job. I was only uh, 19 or 20 years old when everything was starting with the the court case, and I had a job making almost $20 an hour at 19 or 20 years old. You know, 11, 12 years ago in that economy, that was pretty good money for a kid my age with full benefits and everything.
0: Definitely.
1: Uh, Lost that Lost that job was collecting unemployment, um, and that's kind of when everything started. A girl I was dating at the time um, had been on her second DUI, so she was figuring out her life as well. I only say this because I still know her today, and she's a wonderful, wonderful person. Um, kids and everything completely got her life together, um, but uh, she she was on her second DUI, and so she had some legal issues going on. So between that and me being unemployed. It just turned into staying at home, drinking, or going out drinking and partying with friends. And it was literally just drinking every day. And I justified it by, oh, I was still paying my bills. I wasn't getting in any more trouble. You know, it was keeping me away from doing other illegal things. I can't smoke weed because I'll go to jail. And I just always justified everything. That's how I spent my entire 20s, was justifying everything, seeing other people that had it worse and thinking I'm not that bad, Um, seeing what you see in movies and TV shows and whatnot. my family tried to pretty much tell me for many years I was an alcoholic. I don't think anyone ever used a word on me because they were scared, but they tried everything except taking me to a rehab. Found out about planned interventions. I found out about everything when I was in recovery. Um, but uh yeah, I just remember one one more quick war story, so to speak. It was a rough one. Um uh you know, you would think with some of that stuff that'd be enough to to stop drinking and whatnot, but um I remember uh, July 10th of 2017, I remember the day specifically it was Home Run Derby night, being a Yankees fan, Aaron Judge was just breaking the scene. I remember we ran out of beer. You can never run out of beer during the Home Run Derby, so what, is, what do I do like a dummy? I drive out in a thunderstorm and decide to go get more beer, uh, thinking it's right down the street. What could happen? Uh, when I was coming out, a lady ran a stop sign uh, drove completely into her driving the normal speed limit of 25, 30 miles an hour, whatever the speed limit was in the neighborhood, hit her directly in her passenger door. Um, I remember waiting for the police to come. My best friends that were all at my house all came to show up to the scene. I remember being on the side of the road, calling my wife who worked third shift at the time she was just waking up. And I remember calling her and telling her, Hey, I'm about to go to jail. Um, I'm about to get my second DUI right now. And, um, you know, I, I love you. We had just been married. Probably, we were only married two months at the time. And I just told her, I love you. Um, you know, this is this is it. If you can get down here real quick, I can at least kiss you before I go in. Because I know they're not going to let me out on bail for my second DUI. This, you know, whatnot. Uh, cops eventually show up. Everything's going on. I'm pretty much on the side of the road, panicking, shaking. Cop comes up to me and says, what are you doing? Why are, uh, why are you so nervous? Why are you freaking out? Don't you see that stop sign? It's this lady's fault. You're going to be, your insurance is going to take care of this and that, blah, blah, blah. So I immediately, my whole mood changed. I was like, you know what? I'm not in trouble. This cop doesn't even know I'm drunk. I'm perfectly fine. So me, like an idiot, I go up to the cop and get right in his face. And I say, Hey, so are you going to follow up with the insurance information? Are you going to do this? Or are you going to do that? I want to just make sure I get credit for my car since it's this lady's fault. I start getting damn near cocky. Cop looks at me dead in my eye two inches from my face, says, I can smell your breath. I'm not an idiot. If I were you, I'd get in your wife's car right now. I'll talk to you in the morning. I remember goose shaking up. My wife grabbed my arm, ripped me in the car. We went home. I talked to the cop the next morning. He said, listen, I can smell your breath. I'm not an idiot. I know what was going on. I can't prove anything right now. That's not what I'm here to say. I'm here to say, get your life together. You could have killed someone. The only reason, pretty much he told me the only reason I wasn't in jail is because I, he didn't say this, but what I gather to believe is that the other lady was also intoxicated. And with her being the one running the stop sign, I felt I think he decided to not give anyone any legal trouble since we both had total cars and we're going to have a lot to deal with. And we both screwed up that day anyway. But I truly believe both of us could have got a DUI that day and neither of us did. And um, it just wasn't enough for me. Got a rental car, got followed home by a cop when I was clearly drinking, made an illegal turn. Uh, convinced the only reason I didn't get pulled over that night is because I got to my house, which was private property in my parking lot at the time, um, before he could throw on the lights. And none of that really changed anything. Um, you know, you would think it's enough, but it just really wasn't. And then...
0: It sounds like you were heading down kind of a slippery, potentially dangerous slope at the at a pretty rapid pace. Do, do you think you realize that you had a drinking problem or, or if not, at what point did it become clear? Like what happened?
1: Yeah, I definitely didn't think I had a drinking problem um, because I felt that if people still wanted to hang around me, then how bad could the problem be? Cause alcoholics, so to speak, that I knew their life was a train wreck. And then I realized that no people were just doing what I was doing. I was hanging around people that their life was a train wreck. So that way I could feel better about myself. So I think a lot of people were hanging around me because they knew I was a train wreck. So it made them feel better about them themselves. And I realized that I've kind of become on the bottom of that pole, so to speak. Um, So I think there was about a year where I started to realize that I was an alcoholic, but uh, I didn't really do anything. And I think that all started like after the car accidents and whatnot. Um, Then my son Bronx was born in May of 2017. And I remember one day, you know, working in the restaurant business, I was always able to, uh, you know, say I was working later than I was. And I know my wife isn't dumb. She's a very, very, very smart woman, very intelligent, um, and a lot of common sense. So I knew she could tell when I was coming home that I hadn't just got done working. Um, I knew she could tell my mood and behavior was way more than a few beers. Um, and I, I uh, remember just coming home on May 30th and I stopped at work or, uh, which is actually now my job coincidentally, but I was working for the family at a different restaurant, so I stopped at the other restaurant on my way home, which is now the one I work for, on May 30, 2017. I had a couple beers, Uh, drove home. Believe it or not, this was actually the only time that I was actually telling the truth that I left work and only had a couple beers on my way home. Um, In my mind, I completely wasn't drunk. Might have actually been one of the few times I wasn't even over the legal limit. I literally only had two beers. I know I come home and I tell my wife, she asked me to feed the baby. And I said, I'm tired. I want to go lay down. And she had just had enough of me coming home. We had a two week old and, you know, she was tired and she just pretty much said, tough, you know, take the baby, feed him. I'm going to lay down. And I just remember staring in his eyes and I kind of just saw my father and saw myself and just thought like, man, you're about to do to this kid what you, what your father did to you. Um, The twins aren't in your life you screwed all that up by partying around in your 20s. You don't get to really be a part of their life. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm trying now, but I did so much wrong there that, you know, that's a really, really, really tough, tough wound to heal. Um, and I'm working on that very, very slowly. And I love them with all my heart, but I have this new, fresh newborn in my arms. And, you know, are you going to screw up again? You know, just because you screwed just because you screwed up the first time doesn't mean you have to continue living this path. And I just had this whole conversation in my head, and I just realized that I had enough. I wasn't going to do it anymore, um, and I just I, I wasn't going to put my son through what I put my first two through of not being there for him. I wasn't going to put my wife through what my dad put my mom through. I just I wasn't going to be that person. It was time to break the cycle. It was time to break the chain. Um, I went to I just dealt with not drinking that weekend. Um, That was a Thursday night. I just dealt with not drinking. And Friday and Saturday at work, you know, it was kind of rough, you know, seeing everybody else having a good time. It was really, really tough. Sunday morning, I decided to go to church. Um, First time i have been in church for a non-wedding or baptism, and I can't even remember how long. Uh, When I went to church, the pastor just gave a really, really, really powerful message about second chances in life, And just doing things and getting your life together and being a better husband and being a better this and better that. Um, And at the end of service, they, I guess, what I didn't know then, what I do know now is there's a once a month evening service for a new campus that was opening. And so the campus was in Easton, which is the next city over from where I live and where I was at at that time. So I went to that evening service that night because I was like, you know, maybe, maybe that was a sign that this once-a-month service is on this day that I went. So maybe there's something there for me. Maybe if I trust God, you know, as corny as it sounded in my head, I was like, I've I've tried other things. Let me just try this. So I went to that service and the pastor, uh, shout out Pastor John Schwartz. I love you, man. You changed my life when you said these words. But um, at the end of the uh at the end of the service, he pretty much He always rallies up and before they start worship music at the end, he always rallies up and he's always saying powerful words. And on this particular day, he said, if you're battling with addiction, if you're battling with uh, recovery, if you're battling with a drug problem, if you're battling with everything, seek help, seek God. We're here for you. We're this, we're that. And I remember just talking to him for a couple minutes afterwards and giving him a hug and kind of telling him what I was going to try and do. And I got in my car and I looked at my phone at AA meetings And coincidentally found out the next meeting was starting in 10 minutes. Looked at location. The location was less than a mile from where I was at the time. I was like, man, this is just, this is just fate. Like God is just telling me to do this. Like just keep riding with the path. And I went to an AA meeting that night and there was a lot of older people in there. So immediately I kind of just felt uncomfortable because I was like, man, I'm clearly the youngest person in this room. I'm only 30 years old. Like this is just, this is weird. And after hearing some people talk, I just made me realize, man, I don't, I don't want to do what some of these people did. Like what I thought was a bottom, and what was a bottom for me wasn't necessarily what other people went. And I was like, man, I need to let this be my bottom before I get even worse. Because you know, I've been in the car accidents, I've gotten arrested, I got a felony, but I never did any real jail time. Um, I never actually hurt anyone. I was never really hurt. Like, man, you've been dodging bullets. You just you've been just skating by like you could be in jail for the rest of your life you know, and I, uh, I eventually shared and I don't remember if I even admitted that I was an alcoholic that night or called myself an alcoholic in the meeting, but I just remember sharing my story and a lot of people coming up and talking to me and giving me phone numbers and giving me hugs and just telling me that it was going to be okay. And I just remember one guy at the end, um, really just telling me, you know, you have a chance for your son to never see you drunk. You saw your father drunk. You grew up around it. Um, you messed things up with the twins, but you have a chance for your youngest to not see you drunk. This is your chance to break the cycle. He cannot see you drunk. And that just stuck in my head. He said, You can be a 50%er. And I never knew what that meant. And I asked him what that meant. He said, Keep coming to meetings. You'll figure it out. I kept going to meetings. I did what they told me. I got a sponsor early. They say go to 90 meetings in 90 days. I did that probably went to 110, 120 meetings in my first 90 days. Cause some days I went to two or three meetings. Um, and the one or two times that I missed a complete day with a meeting, I would go to like five meetings the next day. Like I was just obsessed because I just figured every hour that I was in a meeting was another hour. I wasn't going to drink or do something stupid. Um, my wife was completely supportive. She was super, super happy. Um, and I got a sponsor. Like I said, I was working the program and I started reading what we call our big book. It's kind of like an AA Bible, so to speak. But um, I just, I remember reading through it, and I, although I read this page before, it never really resonated, and one day I read it where it said 50% of people who enter the program achieve, achieve it on their first try, 25% of people achieve it on their second try, and the other 25% of people continue to just seek a better path of life, whether they get there or not. Um, I could be wrong on some of the quoting um cuz it's been a while since I read that exact quote but the 50% number is what really stuck in my head that's the number that I'm 100% correct on that fact and I just always told myself man you can be a 50%er because you got this on your first try this is your first time working the program you know if you just don't give up you can kind of do that and you can you can stay clean you can stay sober and you can be a better person you can be a 50%er just keep working the program I did that for my first year. I went to meetings almost every day. Almost every day, was able to cap off my one year anniversary. Um, my mom told me a, a few months into my sobriety, she said, "You know, I'm really, really proud of you." She knew I was a full blown alcoholic, but she never used the word of me. And she said, "I promise you, always, you always have." She wanted to celebrate my one month anniversary doing this whole big thing. My family likes to celebrate things. And I told her we can't do that. I at least got to get to a year before we do anything crazy. I get coins for every month, but we got to at least get to a year before we go nuts. Let me just make sure I can do something here. So she said, all right, every year we're going to do a big. So for my first year, my mom, actually, I'm really big into poker. My mom flew me out to Vegas for the world series of poker, celebrating my first year of sobriety in Vegas. Um, And it was really exciting. So able will stay sober out there. Met a lot of sober people. It was really, really cool. And, um, Yeah, it's just working the program has just helped me really, 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 really help me see just life in a different way. And I don't glorify a lot of these stories that I say. Um, It just it made me who I am and where I am now. And I only bring other people into the story if, you know, if I feel comfortable that they are open with their story and getting their life together as well. Like I only say those things about my dad because my dad is now celebrating, I think, 12 or 13 years sober now as well. Okay. So and I
0: was gonna was, ask. I was gonna ask if that um, if you had been a good influence, or somebody else has, you know, succeeded the way you have. So I'm glad to hear that.
1: Yeah, for sure. My my dad definitely he found the pathway before I did. We our relationship kind of went astray because he moved down to Florida when I was a teenager. So we kind of drifted apart. Um, and I I just had too many bad memories as a child. I didn't believe him when he said he was getting sober. It wasn't until I was sober and I talked to his wife, who never lied to me about this. Um, And always told me when he was actually drinking, when he said he was sober. And this time she said, no, Miguel, he's actually sober. He hasn't been drinking. It's been years. It's been years. And like, she cried, I cried. And him and I, we finally, that was the first time we cried together. And he came out here. He drove out here from Florida not long after. Mm -hmm. And a bunch of presents trying to make up for lost time. And I love him for that. And it's just like our relationship now over the last two years is better than it's ever been. We went to an AA meeting together when he came up here. It was just unbelievable. Like our relationship has bonded so much. And a big part of that was because we both found sobriety, serenity, and peace. And we're able to just focus on what's important in life.
0: I love it. I really do. I Congratulations to both you and your dad. I, it's an incredible accomplishment and an incredibly difficult thing to do. And yeah, I'm really impressed uh, that you've been able to turn it around you started early and you're still young you have a whole life ahead of you you know so that's really really commendable so at what point did did running enter your life and how I mean did you just go out there and say I'm going to try running today or did something or someone motivate you do you remember
1: well I started oh I guess my my fitness journey kind of just started with um just kind of the social aspect of you know people would be at the gym, we'd hang out, we'd make plans to go out that night. Um, It kind of turned into doing a couple Spartan races, Tough mutters. you know, didn't really take anything serious. I would go to the gym and don't get me wrong, I would go work out and I would go hard for an hour or I would do this and that. But then I would go kind of do my runs because I was like, all right, well, you got to run between the obstacles. So I would go and I would do like, I remember thinking like a 12 minute mile was fast. I remember the first time I ever did a long run. um, I was like, all right, I'm going to train for this. Uh, I had a Tough mutter coming up and uh, or a Spartan. And I was like, I'm going to train for this. I'm, I'm a beast. Cause I was signing up for the beast. And I was like, I'm going to go do this, um, 13 mile run. And I'm just, I'm going to go kill this and blah, blah, blah. And I remember it took me like three to four hours. And I remember just thinking like in my mind, I thought I actually did good. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to crush this Spartan. And like, <laughs> I just, I skipped half the obstacles. I did some of the burpees, but I realized I was just there for the social aspect. I just wanted to have fun, say I did a Spartan and try and claim false,
0: this false was before, you, this was before you quit drinking, right?
1: Yes, yes, yes. This is all like, you know, you get a free beer with the, with the Spartan race. Why not go out there and do it and this and that. And you know, I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to go pay $200 to go do this Spartan race, and I'm gonna go put myself through all this pain and punishment because I get a free beer at the end of it, and I get to go hang out and get drunk, and that was the cool part. That's that's what I was thinking about. I remember I even got a shirt made for one Spartan. Which, looking back, I rem- I now realize why only one person wanted to wear this shirt with me. It said "running and climbing the stuff just to get to the beer." Like I literally had a shirt made that said that, and I still didn't want to admit. It. <laughs> like it's just like it was. All of that was social for me. But um, when I quit drinking. I just kind of got into, um, like, you know, what can I do by myself and running just kind of became one of those things like, Hey, you can do this by yourself. You can figure things out. And I met a buddy of mine in AA who was really big into the gym. We would go, we would lift together. And I remember running into his brother at the gym. He introduced me and I found out his brother, I think had just ran a half marathon or a marathon. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. Like, I started bragging about doing a Spartan beast. And at the time, I wasn't openly admitting that I wasn't competing to the beast the way people should. So I was like, oh, yeah, I did this. And this was my finish time and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, oh, that's really cool. And um, I just kind of like, for some reason, I just kind of like thought what he was doing was cooler, just running. And I knew, I think what really seemed cool about it was I knew he couldn't cheat or lie. Um, because he would have to run that time. It's not like you can skip the punishment with running. The punishment is just to keep running. So I knew whatever time he said he did, he must have actually done it. So uh, I asked him. I was like, "Hey, you know, how would I train for a 5k?" And I he gave me a bunch of advice, which I completely blew off, and I just did my own training plan, so to speak. And I remember the first race I ever ran was with him. It was a 5k. And shout out, John man, this guy's a beast. He actually won the 5k. I don't mean age group. I don't mean anything like Dude ran a 17 minute 5k first race I ever ran. He ran a 17 minute 5k and ended up winning the whole thing. I remember just thinking, I was like, I told myself I was going to run a sub 20 because third place in my age group was like 19 and some change. I was like, all right, I'm going to just run a sub 20 finish my age group. I just thought it was going to be easy. Remember, I think I had like a 28 minute in that 5k. Like I was like, man, you can't do this. I hung for like the first half mile Like, I didn't know anything about running, so I didn't understand about lead packs and this and that and starting slower and all the cool stuff that you're supposed to know. So I just went in and I was like, all right, I'm just going to run with the guys in the front of the race because that's how I'm going to win the race. (laughs) Man, was I wrong. I hung with them for about a half a mile and I was like (laughs) wheezing, shin splints, cramps. Man, that, that race was absolutely miserable. I come back and my buddy's waiting at the finish line for me, standing next to my wife and kid. And I was like, oh, dude, I did terrible. And he's like coaching me on and whatnot. And uh, I was like, how'd you do? And he's like, oh, only like 17 and a half minutes. You know, nothing crazy. Um, I was just kind of keeping it easy. He had a big race coming up that he was trying to shoot for like a sub 17 or something. And I was like, oh, cool. We go in. I start grabbing snacks and I hear that he won the race. And I'm like, man, this guy's just being so humble. Like, dude, you won the entire race. Like, like you're oh, only 17 and a half minutes and you crushed us. And he wasn't being cocky or whatnot. He was truly just being humble. Like he just, it, he did that race to support me and be there for me. Like winning was just like a consolation prize, so to speak. Um, and I realized later on, like just the kind of motivating person he is. And that really, really pushed me to keep running. Um, I just kept texting him ever since after that. And we would just keep talking and talking and talking. I would go lift with his brother and then talk running with him. And it just turned into a full blown obsession. Like when I dive into something, I dive in hard, just like with alcoholism. I'm um, just like when I started going to church and going to meetings, like when I dedicate myself to something I'm going to dedicate all in. So when I got into running, like I just went completely deep in, I was like, I'm going to do anything and everything. Like told myself, you're going to set this goal. You're going to set that goal. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. And um, I got a few races under my belt and uh, I was, I was training for a marathon. Things got derailed there, but um, you know, I, I, running just completely took over and I'm full blown obsessed. Like. I just love everything about running. I just finished uh, 32 days in a row through May, so
0: okay. there's a lot of I,
1: I'm just obsessed with everything about running.
0: Yeah, no, I I I mean, as you know, as we discussed, like I quit smoking and started running. It was just sort of replacing one obsession or addiction with another, um, but uh, from unhealthy to healthy, right? And as I as I continued running, just to to sort of get the gunk out of my lungs and to build up my endurance and strengthen my um, respiratory system, it became something different. It became sort of um, mental release, right? Um, I started. It was became meditative, really. I started thinking about things and processing things as I was running. So it wasn't just to sort of get me off of cigarettes. It also became became a mental exercise for sure.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, and for anybody listening out there, it's one thing I say too, um, you know, when you're running, you know, for me, it it was almost like it was another AA meeting. Um, Sounds like for you, it kind of helped you sidetrack of smoking. And, you know, one thing I've kind of told people out here as well is just with anything, running, fitness, anything, when you dedicate yourself to getting healthier, not only are you adding more time onto your life, that is 20 minutes, whether it's a 10 minute workout or a three hour run, that's 10 minutes 20 minutes, an hour, three hours that you're not drinking, you're not drugging, you're not smoking. Um, if you're an overeater, you're not overeating. You're not being depressed. That is just that is time. That is just you to think about what you need to focus to become a better person. And that's time that you are staying away from whatever your vice is, whether it's a legal vice or an illegal vice, just whatever it is, that's that's time that you're staying away from that and time you're giving to yourself to add on to your life.
0: Totally. I completely agree. And I, I love that um, perspective. So I'm getting a sense that you're pretty much of an open book about your alcoholism and your recovery. And I, I think that's great. Um, I, I really strongly believe that when you're being vulnerable and open about your past challenges, um, it helps people to sort of open up to you as well. So it's, it's important for the quest to help others. So instead of hiding behind your recovery, you turned it into what I call a superpower and that you're now wanting to share with others. Um, I'd love to hear what you're doing and how it's going. Yeah,
1: for sure. Uh, running is really just, it's, it's helped me change my life. Um, just being into fitness. Um, I've just lost so, so much weight. I'm just healthier. Uh, when I was at my peak of alcoholism, I think I peaked at about two hundred, almost two hundred and thirty pounds, right around there. I mean, I'm only five seven, um, so that's a it's a pretty pretty oompa loompa ish looking guy. If you can kind of picture that in your head, I, and, th- uh,
0: I couldn't even picture you um, bigger because I mean, what I've seen from you now, you're you're very you know athletic, skinny almost. So I couldn't even yeah. picture how you would look bigger. Yeah.
1: It's just years of just trying to be healthier and I, I still eat like crap sometimes, but um, you know, that's, it, it's a joke. A lot of runners says, you know, a lot of runners say they run just to be able to eat whatever they want. And that's, that's awesome. You know, I don't, I don't care that I have a little gut these days cause I track where my body fat is and whatnot, but like, I'm just, I've dived in completely to fitness. Um, I've dedicated my life to fitness now trying to stay healthy and trying to make other people healthy, trying to make other people better. Um, I was. Uh, I was training for a marathon and that didn't work out um corona has really given me time to figure things out you know i've I've turned things around uh corona has kind of hit with you know i've seen a lot of people in alcoholism and in the recovery programs they have relapsed during corona um just because of not being able to go to meetings or not being able to work their program or just fear, whether it be economically financially just whatever their case may be i've just i've seen a lot of people just unfortunately not be able to win the battle during this, this tough time. And I said, you know, I don't want to be like that. What can I do? Where can I dedicate my time and motivation? I can't work. You know, I can keep running outside, but the gym is closed. What can I do? So um, I stumbled upon ISSA and I, um, and I started going through the certification course. I recently passed the certification. I'm in the process of getting my CPR right now. So that way I can uh, legally take on one-on-one paying clients but I pretty much started my own brand. I started living by the the motto after I got sober Fff stands for faith, family, and fitness. Um, I always go by that order because I, I believe that you can't have one without the other in that order without my faith in God. Um, I can't stay sober to maintain my family without my family and maintaining them. I can't stay correct minded to maintain my fitness. so in my opinion, that's the order that I started rolling with that um, and it just kind of it became something big to me. I got it tattooed on myself and it just, it became a huge, like kind of like a brand to me. And I went to, I started doing the ISSA certification, like I said, and I guess my, my brand now is going to be FFF fitness. Um, I just want to kind of pat on to other people and I want them to realize that they can have a goal, whether you are a young child trying to be an elite athlete because you have genes playing a sport professionally or you are a grandmother or grandfather who just want to get in a little bit of shape and just want to get out of your house wherever you're at in between i'm there to help you out because you heard this i mean i i used to be that guy who never got off the sofa i mean i remember when a 13 minute mile was fast um and it i i've come that journey so i don't judge people i wasn't just born crushing sports all through high school and think you're supposed to just have it like this like I understand the hard work and I want to help other people put in that hard work. And I'm really, really, really big into giving back to the community right now. And I'm anybody who comes to me and this isn't something I will be open with other people about, you know, publicly, uh, or I should say about their business, I should say, so to speak. But if anybody comes to me, I'm recovery or fitness, was a huge part of my recovery. So anybody that is battling with recovery, I mean, I'm going to, I I want to help them out with fitness. Like I'm pretty much helping them out at damn near really, really low cost, especially people in their first year of sobriety. Like whether it be virtual, whether it be live training, I just want people to reach out, um, you know, just to have someone to talk to um, and to also just get healthier and stay fit, whether it be running, whether it just be, like I said, walking, jogging, uh, lifting, just trying to be a better version of yourself, whatever your goals are. I just want to help people reach their goals because I continue to keep setting smart goals. Um, strategically um, manageable, attainable, realistic, and timely goals. Those are the smart goals I try and set. And to keep getting one goal at a time, and you know, there there is the main goal I have, but to keep getting one goal at a time will get me to that main goal. And that's I want to help other people do that because this world is just filled with people who have so much untapped potential, just like myself. And I want to help as many people as I can tap into that, even just a little bit.
0: I love that. How can people get to get in touch with you, or how can they find out about your program?
1: Uh, you can reach out to me on Facebook, uh, Miguel Reyes um, I started a Facebook group called Staying Fit um, O D A A T. Uh, o D A A T is an acronym that I came across in recovery. Um, staying fit one day at a time is uh, that's what I call it. ODAT that's kind of what we say in the program, um, but uh, that. I felt like that term just applies to so many things. Um, And that's why I started that group. It's just people that are battling with any type of recovery. Um, Like I said, it doesn't even have to be drugs or illegal things. You just joined the group because, you know, you quit smoking. And it's just when you wanted to replace one thing that you felt was killing you and replace it with something that, you know, is going to help you live longer. It's just a complete, complete side swing. And that's what this group is really about. Uplifting people, trying to post memes and spiritual messages and, you know, our community is up to seventy people now. It only just started in February, shortly before the pandemic, and you know, I'm just trying to build it up, build it up. I think coincidentally, I think you might have exactly been the seventieth member, so that was really <laughs> cool. But um,
0: I think you were just trying friend. to get yeah. So <laughs> yeah, cool. Okay, so O D staying fit O D A A T is is your Facebook yes. Yeah great. Yes,
1: absolutely. I'm joined there. You'll see things that I have going on there. I'm working on setting up an Instagram for my fitness brand, so to speak. Um, I'm very, very active on Facebook. Um, but yeah, that's how you can find me and just please help get involved. Even if it's not you yourself, if you just know someone, um, you know, it's just one outlet. You never know what outlet is really going to change their life. For me, it was fitness. Uh, and I just, I want to help people.
0: That's great. Now, back to you. You recently celebrated a really important anniversary. Uh, I one did. celebrate in the only way that felt appropriate to you. Why don't you tell us about that?
1: All right. Bear with me here. This, this gets me a little emotional because I cried like a baby on this day. So as I said earlier, my mom promised that I was always going to have a huge thing for my sober birthday. So uh, I was training for Los Angeles Marathon. I was supposed to run on March 8th. Um unfortunately while I was halfway through literally at my exact 50% yard line week 8 of 16 my long run I looked at my watch for a second to check pace and stepped in a monster pothole rolled my ankle um continued to go for another 8 or 9 miles to only find out a week and a half later that my ankle was broken I was already invested the trip in LA um lost a bunch of money and it just kind of it it really hurt me mentally but I just knew that wasn't going to finish me. There wasn't even a minute where I thought, you know, you're going to be done running like this is going to derail you It's just, all right, how can I get back to there? And so I, um, I started training for a 10 K cause I was like, all right, we'll start back from scratch. A 5 K, a 10 K half marathon, marathon restart this whole cycle path. So I got my 5 K in and then, or sorry, I didn't get my 5 K because Corona happened. My 5 K was canceled. My 10 K was canceled. Um, everything was canceled. I was supposed to run the 10 K on May 24th, I think May 23rd in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Um, and that didn't work out. So I started realizing, I was like, all right, with all these virtual runs out there, I was like, I'm going to do my own I said, I want to celebrate my two year anniversary by running a race. My goal is to set PRs. Uh, I wanted to break my 10 K, my five K, my one mile and my one K PRs all in one race. I figured if I pace this correctly, shoot for negative splits, I can beat the 10k on the whole run, the 5k on the back half, I could beat my one mile, my 1k in the final stretch of the race. I can, you know, this is a realistic goal. So when I started telling my mom and my sister that I was going to do it, it it originally just started off with me asking um, my mom and sister where I was doing it in the community center. It was a it's a 1.3 mile loop. So I figured you know I could just do this five times, just starting from a different point. And if I just loop this five times, I could do it. And I said, you know, I won't have like the race environment. I said, I want to kind of create my own race environment. What can I do here? So originally I just asked my mom and sister, hey, can you show up and bring just water bottles? Like the little water bottles when I come down this little stretch right here, just have them out so I can grab them from me so I don't have to carry them. I can keep lightweight. It'll help me with setting the PR. So they were like, yeah, sure. We'd love this support. This turned into they got me a bib to start the race with. They got me, they stood out there, did the water station. My mom was there. Um, The guy I told you about that did the the first race with me, John, he actually showed up and did the second half of the race with me at pacing because the dude is unbelievably fast, as you heard, his 5K time. So he did the second half of pacing with me to kind of help keep me going. That way I could stay on target time. And I was like, wow, I'm really getting like a full-blown race environment here. This is absolutely amazing. I thought that was it. When I come around the fifth loop, I realized that I got my 10k in the bag. I'm not sure about my 5k, my one mile, any of that. I just, in my mind, I hadn't looked at my watch in a few minutes, but I was like, man, I'm feeling good. I was like, I think I'm, I think I broke my 10k here. So I come around the corner and I look and they have ribbon out, like they put out a finish line for me and it was unbelievable. So I come in, my mom is yelling, hands up, hands up, run through the tape. And it's just like, oh my God, I run through, I fall down. And I'm pretty much just like, I'm gassed out, I'm beat. I'm, I'm You know, you, you guys know the feeling when, when you gave everything you got in a 10K, no matter what your time is, it doesn't matter whether you ran it in 40 minutes or two hours. If you gave everything you have, we all feel the same at the end. So I was feeling that feeling. And when I hit the ground, I just remember looking over and my mom telling my son, grab daddy, grab daddy, give this to daddy. I look over, I sit up and my son, my mom is helping my son put a metal around me, a little, a cool little cardboard cutout circle that just said FFF 10K on it. And it had, it had the date. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. So I kind of created my own finisher shirt that I kind of wanted to give myself. It said running, lifting, grind it sorry, running, lifting, grinding, staying sober, ODAAT. So I had that shirt there. What I didn't realize is that my mom had looked up, what does everybody get for finishing a race? And my mom put together an entire swag bag package for me. My mom and my sister, wife, they all come in, shout outs, the the three most amazing women a man could ask for in their life is just unbelievable. So like I said, they put the medal over my neck. I look over, my mom gets me a finisher shirt, which, uh, I actually wore it today um, just so you could kind of see it, but it's really cool. It's on the pictures on Facebook. You guys could see it. It's really awesome. It has a picture of a two-year coin on the front, and then on the back, it says Faith Family Fitness ODAT, O-D-A-A-T. So just when I thought that was everything, my mom says, you know, since you couldn't go to a meeting, we also got this for you. And my son hands me a little piece of plastic. I look at it. It's the coin. Like they went and got me an actual two-year AA sobriety coin. And it was just unbelievable. All this I had taken in before I'd even looked at my watch. My watch was still paused. I was scared to even look at it. Cause I was like, man, at that point, I just like freaked out. And I was like, if they just gave me all this and I didn't break any of these PRs, I'm going to feel terrible. Like I'm, I'm still proud of what I did because I don't want anyone to think they shouldn't be proud of what they did. Even if you didn't break your PR, you should be really proud. If you know you gave everything, then you should be proud of what you did, but somewhere deep down, we all want those goals, so I was kind of nervous to look like you know, did I get all this stuff? I look, and the first thing I saw was my my ten k time was under i i don 't know how, but I got up and shot across that parking lot like a dart like it was probably the only last little bit of energy I had started doing circles, found out I also broke the five k It was just unbelievable, like the environment, the atmosphere there was. Six or seven people all pulled together just to be there for me, to help me hit these goals. There was people out running the path. People picked up on what I was doing because they could see the bib. They could see I was dressed like someone running a race, not just someone out for a normal Sunday morning run. And like, So random people just started cheering me on. I think one lady openly told my mom when she found out what the cause was. The lady told my mom that um, her son was also fighting with recovery. And that's a big part of me being open is because my mom knows how open I am. And so my mom felt completely comfortable telling this completely strange lady, I don't want to say strange, but a strange lady that we've never met, um, telling her that, yeah, my son is running this for his two years sober because I'm open and you never know who you're going to impact. So I don't tell everybody I'm an alcoholic to brag about it. I tell everybody I'm an alcoholic. So that way, if there's one person, I mean, they might not even acknowledge it then, but I've had people reach out and text me when I posted that on Facebook, you know, and I kind of went into the whole deep story of course, I wouldn't say these people's names, but I've had two or three people since then reach out to me and say, hey, so and so I think might have a problem in my family. Or, you know, I realize that I have a problem. And I just want you to know, you're an inspiration. I'm not ready to come forward yet. But it's something I'm working on. And when I get there, you know, I, I want to be I want to be able to be do what you're doing. And it's just it it reminds me of when I wasn't ready to come out yet. And I would talk to my buddy, Justin, who Is going to be celebrating three years clean coming up. And I remember telling him the same thing, like, Hey, I'm not ready to admit to anyone else that I'm an alcoholic yet, but you know, you being sober right now and being open with me about it is inspiration because one day I'm going to be there. And he did it for, I want to do it for the next guy and the next guy is going to do it for the next guy. I just want to keep.
0: That goes back to what I was saying. Well, first of all, congratulations on your 10 K and your PR breaks. I mean, That's an incredible accomplishment, not only to be sober two years, but to actually work hard after an injury to to break some PRs. I did see the video on Facebook and I I had to keep it together because it really, really, I, I mean, I don't even know you very well, but it touched me. It really did. And I think if it touched somebody like me who doesn't know you, can you imagine what an impact it has on other people? And that goes back to what I was saying earlier, it being open about this stuff makes people open up to you, right? It's much more difficult to deal with these kinds of issues. Doesn't matter what it is by yourself. And um, yeah, so I I commend you for your openness, A, B for your achievements and and C for, you know, wanting to reach out and help other people with your coaching. It's absolutely incredible. Thank you. Let's go back to your marathon because you broke your ankle and you had to start from scratch. Do you still have a marathon on the calendar for you?
1: A hundred percent for sure. I do. Uh, September 13th is, um, and big runners might even know this race. It's called the Lehigh Valley via marathon. Uh, this was actually going to be the first time they merged. There was another local marathon in which, um, both were Boston qualifying courses um, but they kind of merged together to make one massive race to be able to put more into it. And this was actually the first year of their merger. Um, and with it being a Boston qualifying course, it's it's fairly designed um, and very friendly. Realistically, although I'm shooting for Boston, I didn't think I was going to qualify for Boston on this particular race. Um, originally, I was going to run this um, marathon anyway after running L.A. because – my goal was to run LA, see how I do, and then run this race with the intention to maybe Boston qualify close or to support on the mat. But now with LA getting derailed, now with this, everything just got pushed back one race. So this first race is really where my fitness level is to come back up. But that is the goal of Boston. My, my next race attempt, so to speak, is actually since I didn't beat my one mile or my 1K on June 14th. I'm running a one mile attempt on the local track up at the local university here. And I'm actually asking people to pledge. Um, I'm kind of just trying to raise awareness. We have tough things going on in the country right now, which I don't want to be too political about, Um, but we just, we have tough times right now. So um, I'm personally pledging and asking other people to pledge, uh, you know, whatever you can, whether it be a penny or a hundred dollars, whatever your budget fits Uh, for every second that I beat my one mile PR by, I would. I'm looking for people to help pledge and we're going to send that money to a nice charity organization to help raise awareness of a lot of things going on in our world because there's a lot of crazy things and a lot of people could use help. And I figure why not use my platform, my outlet and, you know, do what I can do to try and help. And this is the best way I know how to do it. So I'm shooting for that on June 14th. That's part of what the interval training was for today. But um, yeah, next marathon, September 13th. It's going to be my first marathon. I can't wait. Um, I'm hoping that the world is open back up, that it can be live. But uh, September 13th, that's, that's, that's the day.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, count on me for uh, pledging for June 14th. I'm, I'll be there. Whatever you need. I appreciate it. Yeah. So last question then, um, Miguel. What do you tell your budding coaching community about, about running? How do you explain to them how life-changing running has been for you and can be for them? I
1: tell them that whether you are again that whether you are my six year old nephew who just doesn't know how to slow down and only knows one pace, or whether you are his mother who is trying to get back into shape for the first time. Um, you know, my nephew and my sister, they're perfect idea of clients because completely completely different sides of the spectrum. And it's like no matter which side you're on, you can get there. You know what your goal may not be the next person's goal, and I try and tell that to other coaches out there, other um, people who are just seeking this. You know, I might not be the most experienced coach, but I like to think that my dedication and my time that I've put into this sport as a whole has made me knowledgeable, kind of like, you know, it's it, like, I, I feel like I've been studying and whatnot, and I just kind of just went to college and kind of got that degree, so to speak. So I'm just trying to pass that on to everyone. And I just want to tell you just no matter what it is, just don't give up, keep fighting stick together, especially right now, everyone could use someone, um, just pull together. We all build each other. Uh, one saying I like to do, uh, always like to go by is if you're not building, you're breaking. Uh, pretty much what that means is if you're not doing everything you can to try and help build someone up and build up your community, build up your fitness level, build up everything, anything that you're not building, you're breaking. And that's just how it, that's kind of how I look at it. And you know, that's, I just, yeah.
0: Awesome. Miguel, you're an incredible inspiration for you know everyone, everybody listening, whether they're dealing with recovery or not, or whether they just want to get back into running. I mean, this is why I'm doing this podcast is because uh, running helps so many people on so many different levels, and and you're just living proof. So, congratulations on everything you've achieved. Um, I would love to stay in touch, and I really appreciate you taking the time joining me here today, and good luck with your marathon training, and um, let's, let's talk about June 14th, okay?
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you again for your support. Thank you for having me today. Everybody out there listening, if you haven't heard it yet today, if no one told you they love you yet today, I love you. You are loved. Let's make this world a better place. I love you all.
0: Thank you so much for being here today for this episode of I quit blank and started running. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Miguel. I admire him for turning his life around for his tenacity when it comes to running and above all his determination to help others. If you want to get in touch with Miguel, check out his Facebook page staying fit ODAT O D A A T short for one day at a time. Now for some final notes before we go, if you've had challenges or obstacles in your life and that you have conquered by getting into running, we would love to hear your story. To enter, just email us at quitxstartrunninggmail.com at with a brief introduction and an overview of your story. We look forward to receiving your submissions. In case you're looking for me in other corners of the World Wide Web, the best way to find me is on Facebook and Instagram under my name, Antonia de Heinrich. A N T O N I A D E H E I N R I C H and on the I Quit X and Started Running podcast Facebook page. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I look forward to hosting Suzanne, who started running at the age of 32, lost 90 pounds, and chose an 18-miler as her very first race. Tune in for Suzanne's story next Monday, June 22nd. Until then, my friends, quit whatever you're doing and start running.